Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Inside the Huddle. Here we are live on, I got to say, one of the uh, the nicer places that we have been live at. It's the, I like the temperature in here. There's no uh, there, there's no freezing cold. I have to wear the, the coat. Uh, and we are live at uh, our friend's Peak Wealth Management here in Plymouth and joined by the founder uh, and president of Peak Wealth Management, Nick Hopwood, and his team here today. Nick, how are you feeling? It's warm in here. I'm feeling good. <laughs> Patty, Patty likes to crank the, the the thermostat, so I'm feeling good. Well, you had bagels for us to start. It's it's yeah, it's comfortable in here. You got the gigantic screen TV. What what size is that? That's 82. 82 inch TV in here. Uh, of course, on uh, CNBC watching. It's not Sports Center, but it's uh, still. Uh, still interesting anyway. So uh, we'll be talking to Nick and his team throughout the day here today. Uh, also, you know, I wasn't on I wasn't on air yesterday and I was joking with my my guys. I mean, this has happened a couple of times where I've taken a day and like major news uh, breaks the day before the Mark D'Antonio announcement on uh, Tuesday that he was retiring. What? Uh, and so, I, I, yeah, isn't, isn't the incredible miss? I don't know if you heard it or not. No, but, I, uh, I just definitely heard this. nothing about it, Michael. I don't know what you're talking about. So you'd like me to give my entire take on it then? Yes, because you haven't give, heard anything about it yet. Yes, give your entire take and let it to people. No, I don't. I don't really have anything really new to add to it. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, I think most people have covered the gamut here. I, I think what's interesting about this decision now is going forward for Michigan State. You know, there's already been talks of Luke Fickle, and Luke Fickle uh, supposedly has turned them down, and Pat Narduzzi, former defensive coordinator at Michigan State, supposedly has turned them down. And, uh, you know, how, how like Mark D'Antonio said the other day that people will crawl to to get to, to, to take this job, which, um, you know, is, is someone in a position like his where he's, where he's done so much there and accomplished so much there on the field that he, you know, believes that. But they're not in a great position to to bring in a top person. But I'm I'm curious. One of the questions I have for our audience today, and certainly my uh, staff and I will get into it today, is: Is there a realistic candidate for Michigan State that Michigan fans don't want? Is there anybody that scares Michigan fans out there? Uh, you know, if Luke Fickle would come. Uh, would go to East Lansing. Does that scare Michigan fans because he's a very competent football coach and someone that has obviously recruiting ties in the state of Ohio? Could he be a sleeping giant is essentially what we're, uh, we're going to get after a little bit here today. Plus talk some Michigan basketball uh, and a little bit of Michigan football recruiting, which also signing day was yesterday. Um, but we start with our, our friend here, Nick Hopwood, who Great facility here. I mean, I think this is kind of speaks to what you guys do at Peak Wealth Management. That's first class all the way through. You treat your customers great. You treat potential new customers. Uh, and I think the word that you used in, in you were talking to your staff earlier is all about just the culture that you establish here at Peak Wealth Management. Yeah, I feel like we're the premium offering in the marketplace, and we've been growing as a result. I mean, over the last few years, we've easily doubled the size of the firm, whether it's Number of clients, assets under management, number of staff members, square footage here. We've tripled the office space last year, so that's a fresh remodel for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and certainly, I mean, it's like I said, it's all about the way that you want to want to handle your business. Is you want 
to do everything, um, you know, the the right way, and to treat and, and to give the customers uh, every understanding that there it's not some mom and pop shop. It's not some like hey rinky dinky. Uh, you, you're turning over your money to us and you don't know what's going to come from it. You guys want the assurance to let your customers know that everything we do is with their best interest at heart and everything we do is to help them grow their financial portfolio to meet whatever their specific goals are. Yeah, and oftentimes people's goals are retirement. So we talk about retiring with confidence. You know, We're also a boutique firm right? that gives you that white glove first class service. But we also have all the... Uh, access to anything that a larger Wall Street type firm would have in terms of investment solutions and strategies and, and software. Well, we're going to get more into uh, everything that they do here at Peak Wealth Management, meet uh, Nick's team uh, throughout today's show. Also coming up on the show today, Sean Crable, former Michigan linebacker who appeared for Game of My Life a few weeks back. Uh, he will be joining us. He lives down in Canton, Ohio. He's going to talk a little about uh, Michigan football recruiting and the perception of Michigan in the state of Ohio. Ohio used to be, uh, you know, has, has always been a huge recruiting territory for the Wolverines, but not the last few years. Uh, they've really just done nothing in the Buckeye State. Why is that? Uh, does that have to change, and how does it change? So we'll talk to Sean Crable uh, about that coming up at 1120. Our game my life tomorrow, Michigan hockey player Steve Racine. Uh, former Michigan hockey player Steve Racine played goalie for the Wolverines, had some great success with the Wolverines when they were making a couple of their uh, NCAA tournament runs. Uh, also coming up in future weeks, got Ryan Mundy on February 14th on Valentine's Day. Uh, we've got uh, DeMonte Thomas on February 21st and Chris Wormley on February 28th. So a couple of uh, more recent Wolverines will be our game of my life. But, uh, Nick, before we get into some more business talk, let me ask you this question because this is the topic of the day for Michigan fans. You're a Michigan grad. You've got your proud University of Michigan alumni mug right here that you fill it up with coffee. You've got a, you've got a great, uh, almost like your own quasi-museum in your office of Michigan gear, stuff with Harbaugh and Bo. So, you know, the last, for, for 10 years or so, close to 10 years, Michigan fans had to, had to wake up to a new reality where Michigan State was the bully on the block, was the top dog. And that was for a lot of reasons. A very big one was Mark D'Antonio and what he was able to do with that program. The other part of it was Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke and the failures of the Michigan coaching staff and all those different things. And so, But that's the way it was from 2008 to 2014 was all of a sudden our – our, you know, our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues that we were used to always kind of lording over and having a little bit, we were on the other foot, and it sucked. Mm -hmm. And give Jim Harbaugh a lot of credit. One of the things that I appreciate that Jim has done is he has flipped the rivalry back. And even though he's only three and two against Michigan State, it feels closer to four and one. Yeah. It almost because of trouble with the snap. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I kind of count that as a win for Harbaugh. Well, I mean, it, it's it's it. In terms of it's not if it's not an actual win, right? But in terms of the uh, the the where the program is, he was able to get it back on level playing field, Michigan State in year one, and then they beat him in 2016, um, and then you know they they had a chance in 2017. They they've just taken this rivalry back, and it looks like it's going to be that way for a while. Yeah, and in 2017, 
O'Corn threw a deep ball, like a 50-yard touchdown pass, which was called back for holding, would have been the winning score. Absolutely. So, I mean, it was a lot closer than the two losses are, are literally a matter of, you know, a handful of points. The wins look a lot more impressive than, mm-hmm. than that. And so it's interesting because I, I tweeted this the other day, Michigan State fans are, are pissed at D'Antonio for leaving the program in such dire straits. And Michigan fans are pissed at D'Antonio when he's leaving the program in dire, like when it's it's going down. And so, I wonder for Michigan fans out there, you know, is there a candidate that is a realistic one for the Spartans right now that they don't want to see end up in East Lansing because right now they're enjoying this this the flip of the of the rivalry again and and at least for the next five years it seems like it's going to be Michigan dominated. But if you get a great coach. You get the right fit. You get the next big, you know, big time coach. It could flip back, probably not in 2020, but by 2021, it could be a greater challenge. In 2022, it could be a greater challenge. And so that is the question we're asking here in this 10 o'clock hour: is Is there a person? Is there a coach uh, that Michigan State could land a realistic one that, that Michigan fans? I don't want to say you're shaking in your boots or anything like that, but you're just like ah. Thought we were just about to have this great run, this really easy kick the rear end for a couple of years. This guy's gonna, this guy's gonna do some good work there. Well, the only coach who really scares me, and it's not a realistic option, is Urban, Urban Meyer. So you don't have to worry about that. But it's kind of like when Harbaugh was hired back in '15. You know, D'Antonio was asked, you know, what do you think about the the new hire in Ann Arbor? And he said, well, we don't play the game. You know, the players on the field play. And so Harbaugh's not suiting up. He, you know, he doesn't scare me kind of deal. So I take the same approach. I don't want to – I don't even know who the biggest threat would be, but I'm not concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not concerned. But growing up as a Spartan, you know, I uh, I can certainly understand this last 10-year situation, right? I was a Spartan, grew up in East Lansing. My whole family went to Michigan State. My mom, my dad, my brother, aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone. I was the only one who got out. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how you put that. I'm yeah. the only one that got out. Yeah. And so how did, why did you I get understand out? what it's like to be the little brother. Yeah. Because I hated, I hated Juwan yeah. and Weber and Jalen and Bo, you know, because we were inferior. That's, yeah. what, that was, that's what the feeling was. And so, you know, I was a freshman in 97. I went to Michigan because I got in. Okay. All right. That's the story. Yeah. All right. It's pretty simple. Yeah. If you get in, you go. Right. Right. That's that's it. So we enjoyed, you know, my four years in school, 97 through 01. Yeah. We beat them 4-0. It was a great time. And then to be 0-4, you know, the next decade, it hurts. It stings. Yeah. And you hear it from everyone. You do. And you hear it from unlikely sources too right like the the friend that or the the relative i mean the 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 greatest surprise to me when michigan state started getting good and started beating michigan on a regular basis was uh my dad's sister who who has both michigan and michigan state degrees uh michigan state undergrad and then a michigan like um advanced nursing degree uh and she had two girls went to michigan state and one son that went to michigan and someone who I probably like my communication with my aunt over the course of most of my life was like, hi, how are you? Like, you know, I mean, it was very, very generic type of stuff. I mean, she was a different generation and just didn't really I didn't really have deep conversations with aunts and uncles when I was in my teenage years. Well, don't you have like 85 cousins or something? We, we do. We have 20, 21, I think 22 on one side of the family. But so all of a sudden Michigan State started winning. And like on Facebook, I would get she would start posting things on Facebook about, 
you know, oh, you're, you arrogant Michigan fans are getting your comeuppance. I'm like, my Aunt Kathy is, like, talking trash? Like, where is this coming from? And I, I didn't understand it. And so, like, it was the it was the people out of the woodwork that uh, that that drove me nuts. And you know, it, it, what I mean, if it was like one of my buddies went to Michigan State, like, sure, whatever. But but yeah, like, I mean, Aunt Kathy, yeah, my Aunt Kathy, <laughs> who had probably spoken like twenty words to me in my life, was so, now talking trash to me on Facebook. My buddy from college, Chris Dupre, who wrote for the Daily back in the same years, uh, you know, again, we were four and zero. But every time we beat them, he was like relieved. Right, like he uh, he stressed about that game more than any other, and I said, "Why are you so worried about Michigan State?" And he said, "Because when they win, just watch out." Yeah, right. Aunt Kathy's coming for you. <laughs> oh man, she came with everything she had. <laughs> that that I didn't that arsenal. I had no idea. I had no idea. And then you know, and that you know, I had a neighbor across the street who was a big Michigan State fan, and uh, I moved in in two thousand and eight. I moved in the summer of 2008, and so it was right before they started winning. And I lived there. Yeah. And, and I mean, this was in Ann Arbor, but I lived there for the next eight years. So I lived there, and I think I saw one Michigan win the whole time. And every time, and you know what? I, I said this the other day, but like, what I can't stand is when uh, you're kind of patronized to. And so when someone would come up to me after a game, like, ah, oh, your team played really well. You should be proud of how, you know what? They almost won the game. Like, you should feel really good about their effort. And their determination and their heart. And I'm just like, you know, like wanting to extend fingers to them at the moment and just be like, what, what do you, what do you, just get out of here. Like, I, I don't want to hear that crap. Yeah, my Aunt Kathy, you know, <laughs> the parallel is Patty here at the office. Oh, because yeah. Her kids both went to Michigan State. And the first, the first game we had when she was with us was 2015, shot um, trouble with the snap. And mm-hmm. we had a big client party. And she kind of pulled the same thing, like, I really thought you had this one. You're like, thanks. You know, I don't need to hear it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, almost th- I thought you had this one. Sure, sure. Okay. I, I, I agree. I'd rather, if you're going to talk trash, I'd rather have Aunt Kathy that's like, oh, you guys got your comeuppance and the whole thing, which that's pretty lame too, but versus the person who's like, oh, you tried really hard. Especially if it's someone who's not an educated football fan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Oh, I feel so bad for your punter, but he seems like a nice guy, so... <laughs> Oh, I'm just, I'm just like, all right, all right, just be done with this. So, mm-hmm. anyway, for you Michigan fans out there today, here's the the question I posted on Twitter: Is there a realistic coaching candidate that Michigan State could land that would cause concern for your belief that Michigan is poised to dominate the in-state rivalry for the foreseeable future? If you want to weigh in, you can give us a call seven three four nine nine eight ten fifty. You can also uh, tweet at me. Michael Spath, ITH. We've got uh, quite a few uh, of those uh, responses that we will get to on the other side. Uh, we are live at Peak Wealth Management in uh, in Plymouth here with Nick Hopwood and his team. Uh, Nick, give us a little preview of what are we gonna what are we gonna hear about today? What are we gonna learn from your staff? Well, we'll talk to uh, Jim, Patty, and Gwen, and everything from Jim talking about his uh, program that he's got for teachers. Uh, also, university employees, small business owners, uh, culture here at the firm. We can talk a little bit about taxes and investments and planning, and uh, Bursley the dog. Yeah, Bursley the dog is a is a big hit. Is a big <laughs> hit. So, how old is Bursley the dog here? Uh, he's six months. Six months old. Okay. Still very much a puppy. Okay. And he got the name naturally from uh, the from Bird the Lodge. Yeah, from the dorm. So this is Bursley. where you and your wife met. Was at Bursley. Yeah, we both lived at, at Bursley. Okay. Oddly enough, we actually never met in that freshman year. 
we met doing the internship after our sophomore year. Okay. Wow. Well, that's a pretty great coincidence. Yeah. yeah. How many people live in Berchley in one given year? That's like 1,200 or something. Okay, so it's probably pretty likely that you're not going to meet a single be, person. Well, there'd be people, because everyone has lunch and breakfast yeah, and dinner. Yeah, same and so, cafeteria. Like 15 years later, I would see someone, and I'd be thinking, I know I know you from somewhere. Yeah. And he would be looking the same way at me, and we figured out that we were in Bursley in 97. Was that a co-ed floor? Like, did you have co-ed floors or co-ed? Uh, mine was all dudes, but I think I think maybe some of the, calls, the halls might have been okay. co-ed. Yeah, we were. I was in Cousins, and Cousins had five floors that were divided between men and women, and the sixth floor, which I was on, was men and women. And I remember my mother had given me a speech <laughs> when I moved in, and she found out that she's like, okay, now listen. If um, you happen to be walking past a room, and the door's cracked, or the door's open, and there's a young woman changing, you should avert your eyes, avert, and go back to your room, and be silent, because you want to like give that woman respect. And I said... But if she's got the door open, like what? What? And she's like, "No, <laughs> listen to me. You go and go back to your room and avert your eyes." And I was like, "Okay, mom. Thanks for the advice here about the, the best thing about Bursley was sexy grandpa. You ever hear about him? No. So at, at, in the cafeteria, you know, when you're going through the line getting your grilled cheese and whatever, there's this guy, like a retired guy, who wore a trucker hat that said "sexy grandpa." Okay. And so it's kind of a legend. Well, man, I don't know that I ever made it up to Bursley for the cafeteria food, so I'm, I missed out on that one. You know, supposedly it's better, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I, there's been a lot of debates. I think it depends on the years that you're going to school. And now they've redone a lot of the dorms, and they've really upgraded the food situation. So I'm a little jealous because I certainly would say Cousins I was never really impressed with. I used to go over to Stockwell, which was, like, right on the hill because they had better food than Cousins did. Moshe Jordan had better food than Cousins did. I think every place had better food than Cousins did. Uh, I'd be curious what it's like now. Maybe we'll have to get like, a little tour and go back do to it. our old Let's do a Twitter poll. College romps here. That's a, not a bad question. Not yeah. a bad question. All right, when we come back, uh, is there a coach? We'll let you know how people are voting. Uh, we'll hear from Zach on this topic and uh, learn more from our friends here at Peak Wealth Management. This is Inside the Huddle on Sports Talk 1050, WTK Ticket. Hey, welcome back to Inside the Huddle. I am Michael Spath. We are live at Peak Wealth Management, 41011 Ann Arbor Road here in Plymouth, Michigan, 734-681-7575 and peakwm.com. And we are being joined by the Vice President here at Peak Wealth Management, and that's Jim Pilot. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. And your loyalties lie with the right, with the correct team. <laughs> they do. I can't say that I attended Michigan, but uh, just grew up a fan. You know, yeah. I remember uh, the old Jamie Morris football days, and well, then you remember the Jim Harbaugh football days. I remember the Jim Harbaugh football days. I, right. I was a big basketball guy, okay. so I remember the Fab Five is when I really was all in. So loved watching those guys. Are you a fan of Juwan? <laughs> you know, I am a fan of Juwan. Um, it's going to take time. Yeah. I think I think we got to just be patient. Yeah. He, he's Man, doing, that's, you know, that's something we're all really good at, yeah, isn't aren't it? we? Yeah, especially sports fans, right? Yeah, it's kind of like the the market, right? Like you invest your money and you're like, okay, now there's a pay, there's a process to right. this. Like you don't just turn around the next day and you're like, where's my extra ten <laughs> yeah. grand that I just invested right. in, right? So and it double, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a little basketball background? Um, yeah, I played. I mean, just through high school and stuff. Played at Southfield Christian, which has turned into a, uh, a basketball powerhouse now, but. Uh, I spent a few years over there playing, and yeah. Okay. Because you're pretty tall. You're about 6'5"? Six 6'4". Five? Uh, six okay. Yeah. Okay. Were you down in the post those days? Yeah. Now you'd be a, now you'd be a, point, a I, point guard or a shooting guard. I know. Guard. That's what's funny. I, I, I know I was, by default, I had to be the post player because I was the yeah. tallest one on the team, but uh, 
times have changed, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I remember in high school, and I didn't, I didn't hit my growth spurt till like my senior year, but I was like six three my senior year, and like, yeah, you would have been, I mean, gross point north, you were, uh, you were a center at six three, right, right? You know, and then you, you'd get to like the playoffs, and you'd run into a team that have like a six foot, you know, two six foot eight guys, and right. a <laughs> six foot five guy, and you'd be like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I have no shot. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, fortunately, it was in a, it was a class. Well, when I was there, it was a class C school, so. Mm-hmm. You'd run into a competition that was a little more comparable, but yeah. uh, every once in a while, you're right. You play that guy that's six seven, and it's like, oh man. Yeah, you just—it's not any fun. Actually, you know, fun. it was kind of interesting. Uh, back in the day, I remember playing against some guys that went to Orchard Lake St. Mary's, okay, uh, and then went on to play at Michigan. David Bowens and oh yeah, yeah, um, those guys were—they uh, were tough. The best basketball player I ever played against was a guy named Julian Bonner, and it was actually uh, grade school, Catholic school, eighth grade. Um, I was at St. Joan of Arc and he was at St. Clair and, uh, he went on and like, I mean, he was amazing. Now, now in eighth grade, the thing was, is that he was already physically developed. He was six foot, he was 180 mm-hmm. pounds and he didn't grow anymore. And he ended up being a point guard at Northwestern, oh, yeah. but it, but it was like, it just went to show like how good I thought a kid was at that level. And four years later he was going to Northwestern and nothing against Northwestern, but it's not, they're not getting right. the cream of the crop type of thing. And so. I, I, it was just, I, I would love to see, I mean, like an Amani Bates that plays in Ypsilanti, oh, yeah. like to go see him in person, and you realize, like, this is what they talk about when they talk about one of the best players in college basketball, like it's or, um, yeah. in the country. It's a different level than it's, anything we've experienced. They just operated at a different speed, yeah. with different strength and everything. They absolutely do. Jim, uh, pilot here is the vice president, and Jim, one of your areas of specialty and something that matters a great deal to you is working with teachers. Uh, you you come from a family of teachers? Uh my wife was a teacher. My sister's a teacher. Um, yeah, but you know, part of my history, I think, with teachers comes from the way I got started in this business. You know, it was about six and a half years ago I got uh, made a career change and became a financial advisor and started with a company that focused on teachers, one of these big insurance companies, and they, uh, you know, would have us go out there and call on these teachers. And I thought it was just seemed great, right? I like teachers. I respect teachers. They do a great job, and they're, they're really important um, with what they do, and I thought it would be a cool opportunity to help take care of them. Uh, but the teacher retirement plan market is very different mm-hmm. than what most people are familiar with. Most people have a 401K, and they just contribute to their 401K. Well, teachers have something called a 403B, but it's not just one company. They have probably 10 different companies they can choose from. Mm-hmm. And while teachers do a lot of things great, most of the time uh, – sifting through financial information mm-hmm. to, to come across the best plan providers, not their specialty. So I went in thinking I'll, I'll help them guide them to this great plan. And the more I did it, the more I realized that uh, the plan that, that the company I was with had was expensive. It was not flexible. It would lock up people for, you know, six years or more. Wow. And then I start looking at other all the other 10 competitors in that, in that space, and I realized, well, they're no better. Everybody mm-hmm. was the same. And it, it really is true that teachers have the, the worst retirement plans to choose from, and it's the most confusing market. So after a few years, I decided I didn't want to be tied to one company or one product, and I wanted to go independent. So I went out on my own and um, <clears throat> eventually here landed here uh, with Nick at Peak. And uh, one of the great things that resulted from that is some really good strategic partnerships uh, with plan providers uh, like Fidelity, where mm-hmm. we can go in to these uh, these school districts and offer these teachers a really good top-notch plan that doesn't have surrender periods, that doesn't cost you know two and a half percent when it should cost one percent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's things like that that have really um, been a great great win. I think one of the things that that brings up at a, at a greater overview is 
I think a lot of people kind of feel locked into, hey, I, I sign with a company and they tell me like, here's the retirement plan. And, you, you know, when if you do this, we'll do this, we'll match you or something like that. And I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in this idea of like, OK, well, this is my this is my my future. And, you know, how much wiggle room is there? How much like coming and talk to someone like you and Nick and just saying like, hey, let's look at what the company has you contributing to. Let's look at what the company has you locked into and see if we can find a better deal for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's true for teachers, but it's true for everybody, right? You have these plan options and you think this is your only choice. And in fact, there could be options that make a whole lot more sense. There's a lot of times where I was talking to teachers who were signing up for these incredibly expensive plans that were going to, you know, put them in a plan for, uh, you know, all this time. And they weren't contributing enough to really warrant it. There's mm-hmm. no reason we couldn't have just opened up a Roth IRA or something that would have made a whole lot more sense for them, kept costs really low, and kept their options open. So, I mean, even you know, school's a little different because they don't have matching typically mm-hmm. with teachers. But, you know, 401Ks and stuff, we can take advantage of matching. But um, a lot of times, I mean, there's plenty of things you can do outside of a workplace account that could make an awful lot of sense. Well, and not to, I mean, look, not every company, you know, the, the teachers union or a lot of these schools, I mean, maybe we're not putting the, given their, their teachers the best option. And, and, but that's not every company. A lot of companies do a great job and they're, mm-hmm. uh, they really go to bat for their employees. I know my wife works for an amazing company that does a great job, but it still never hurts. I think the, the biggest thing that, you know, I want to convey to the audience is something that I've learned, you know, working with you guys and um, in the past is it, doesn't hurt just to have someone's a second set of eyes look at what you're doing, whether that's through your company you're with on your own. Like, okay, let's just take mm-hmm. make sure we understand what you're after, uh, where you're at right now, when you like when you want to retire, what do you want to retire with? Um, and because if you're just if you've been in maybe in the same plan for 10 years and you're just kind of like, all right, I'm on, you know, I 96 here and I'm just mm-hmm. driving down and you don't realize there's a lot of other things that you could be doing. Right. Yeah, it often gets overlooked. I mean, you do the right things, but what is it what is it for? What does it mean? What is the end result of it? And is it enough? You know, and it really it really makes sense to to give that second look. Um a lot of times people, you know, if we're talking about plans and I see people who, "Oh no, I picked the right plan, right? I'm already in a good low-cost plan." But I can't tell you how many times I've seen people do that and their investment options are just way out of whack, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't make sense at all for them or they're not accomplishing the goal that they really have for themselves or they think they're aggressive, but they're really conservative or, or whatever, vice versa. You know, um, I, I think there's really no substitute for uh, for taking a second look and making sure, hey, I think I'm doing the right things, but am I really? It seems like there's always opportunity that people overlook. There's always something that, that we can do or plant a seed that maybe they hadn't thought of that uh, can make a lot of sense. All right. Great stuff from Jim Pilot, the vice president here at Peak Wealth Management. You can uh, reach out to Jim directly at jim at peakwm.com, 734-681-7575. And probably some great advice that uh, Jim and Nick gave us here today is where to order lunch in just a little bit. So <laughs> we're we're very much looking forward to trying, uh, trying Lee's Chicken here in the, the Plymouth area. Uh, in a little bit. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll talk to uh, Sean Crable, former Michigan Wolverine linebacker. He was on our Game of My Life, uh, and we'll get into uh, some talk about uh, Michigan football recruiting with him. Uh, Jim, thanks very much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, this is Inside the Huddle on Sports Talk 1050, WTKA Ticket. Hey, welcome back to Inside the Huddle Live at Peak Wealth Management here in Plymouth. Uh, things I've learned today. Zach apparently is a huge dog lover. Um, Bursley was just 
Yeah, had no idea. Had no idea. I'm not a big dog lover. No surprise there, right? Celebrities and dogs. Uh, and Benjamin, our on-site producer, apparently hangs out with lions in Africa and pets them on the back. That's what we learned here today from uh, from Benjamin. So it's been an interesting day already with our good friends at Peak Wealth Management, and we welcome to the show Patty Wojcik and Gwen Smith, the operations manager and operations associate here at Peak Wealth Management. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, and one of the things that we were talking about beforehand is, you know, I said, take me through the process of when a client steps through the door. And one of the things you said, Patty, is, well, we don't start when the client steps through the door. We start well before that. Our customer service starts, um, you know, days, weeks, emails, phone calls, well before that person first steps into Peak Wealth Management. It's the first outreach when they first contact us, whether it's phone call, email, you know, we have to find out exactly what it is that they're looking for. Well, and so just to kind of take me through the process. I mean, the, you know, bringing someone into this fold, how do you guys, how did the two of you uh, help Nick, help Jim get the, get everything that you possibly need to help every individual client realize their ambitions when it comes to retirement? The, the beginning is um, asking questions, find out exactly what it is that they're looking for, and then let them know that in order to go forward, we need to gather some information from them. Okay, so Nick's going to need um, to know their whole financial outlook, uh, you know, any uh, income that they have, any outgoing debt, anything like that, that can help him piece those puzzles together so that he can build a plan or that Jim can build a plan because it's not just one piece. It's, mm -hmm. it's their whole entire financial picture so they we let them know that they need to bring that information to nick or jim um for that first meeting mm -hmm. so that nick then can build that plan or jim can build that plan going forward because it's not just investing the money it's it's making that plan for them but they need to know all the pieces to the puzzle yeah i think one of the important things that that you know you guys have really conveyed to me is uh you know it's it's looking at a person's not just their retirement not just like what have you invested it's really looking at a person's entire um their entire life their entire spending history gwen it's mm -hmm. it's uh it's understanding um where your money's going every month where your money and so it's it's just this very comprehensive you guys don't look at one thing you look at a hundred things but you make it really simple for a person to understand yes because it's the past present and future that you know we have to assess oftentimes people want to look at where they are and where they want to go without necessarily addressing where they've been mm -hmm. so you know Nick and Jim are really good about looking at all pieces of the puzzle and that and Gwen, you came. Did you come first, or did Patty come first? Because you guys just worked together, correct? Patty came first. Yes. We okay. Worked so Patty, you came first. What impressed you about Nick and Jim, and why did you decide to leave the business you were at to come to this one? Um. Without. The, with, <laughs> <laughs> there's a big lull there. No, no, it was a big decision because you know I had been with the other firm for ten years. Um, Nick was funny. I I live a block away from this office. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first attraction was the distance, okay, because I had been driving a lot of miles to my other firm. Um, but when I met Nick, it was, um, I, I think we meshed personality-wise, and that's what um, Nick and I 
we have the same views on how a client is to be taken care of, mm-hmm. what needs to be done. Um, we are very um, in tune as to follow up, make sure things get done. And I think we have the same vision. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the two of us clicked. And so for me leaving and, and coming to be with somebody that I had no clue what they were about, it was that initial meeting where the two of us meshed as far as personality. And, and that's what we try and build here is that culture. Everybody's got to fit into this culture that Nick has created. Mm-hmm. And that is one of, you know, are you a good fit? And and we all have to be able to work together and, and be like a family or a unit, you know. Well, I want to come back to something you just said because, I mean, you said that one of the things you really appreciate about Nick is that he, you guys meshed over two things, vision and how you wanted the customer to be treated. I wonder if you could expand on both of those. Uh, the vision was going forward, uh, having his business grow. Um, also, the way that Nick um, interacts with his clients is very much the way that I do. Um, you know, Nick and I interact, we, we, we know who our clients are, mm-hmm. okay? And that's one of the things that you have to have in this business. You have to know your clients, okay? And whether it's what's going on in their family, what's going on in their health, what's going on in their day-to-day life, because that all affects their financial situation as well, okay? So if you don't know everything that's going on in that family, then sometimes those decisions to help them can't be made. Yeah. So it's, it's really and about, it's, it's really about, I mean, yeah, you, you want to, you're not just uh, investing your client's finances, you're investing in your client to understand everything about them to help him or her realize the best that they can, that they can be. Because without knowing, hey, I just had a son or, yes. or without knowing that, um, you know, I want to get, uh, you know, I, I'm overwhelmed by the idea of college down the road or something like that. These are all things that yes. you guys really take uh, the effort to to yeah. reach beyond instead of just like, okay, you want to invest in this plan right now or you want to you want to uh, Tesla's really hot right now. I mean, you want to know much more so you can really understand the best way to move forward with a client. Right. We find out, oh, they're ill, or you know, they may be going into the hospital, or oh, this person just had a baby. You know, things. some of these are life-altering events, mm-hmm. and you have to be attuned to not only what's their need financially, but because all of that can be affected, you know, financially. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? And Gwen, you came over after Patty, and so what attracted you to work with the people at Peak Wealth Management? It was Patty. We never lost <laughs> touch. We worked at another firm uh, together. Uh, we've, we've known one another since 2007. That's where we started. And so it was the dynamic mm-hmm. that I knew would be here because she was here. Well, and, and you guys have both said, I mean, the, the customer service and treating the, the clients a certain way. Uh, Gwen, what has is, what is impressed you and in, in what do you contribute to, to making sure that each individual client is treated as that such, as an individual, understanding all of a person's needs? Well, it's, I think, the synergy that the whole team-based approach provides for the clients. You know, they walk in the door, and it doesn't matter the asset level. 
if you will, um, in, for, in terms of their treatment. So you're not going to treat me any worse if I'm only bringing in $100,000 versus $1.5 million? No, everyone okay, gets cool. first-rate service, period. And no one will ever know um, what the asset level is because, you know, everything is confidential. And yeah, I was surprised. I didn't see, like, a big donor list where, they're, like, the assets, <laughs> like, oh, this guy's got this much and he, she's got that much. I didn't yeah. notice that in here. So no. You do want the 1.5. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I I really appreciate you guys do a great job, and I've uh, I you know since working with Nick the last few months, I've felt like um, you know everything you guys do is first class. I think that's the that's the term I would use over and over again is, and I think that's what you're going after, right, Patty? Is is first class experience? Yeah, and and we just we just want to make sure that no matter what they need, they just they can call us or come by and ask us for it. I mean. We don't want them to ever feel that they're bothering us. You know, uh, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. So, the ultimate know. customer service experience. Absolutely. Patty at peakwm.com and Patty spelled an I and Gwen at peakwm.com. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Thank you. Man. When we come back, we'll get into some Michigan basketball talk. This is Inside the Huddle on Sports Talk 1050, WTK Ticket. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle live at uh, Peak Wealth Management here in Plymouth and with president and founder Nick Hopwood. And Nick, I know we've kind of covered this before a little bit because you've been with us for the past few months, but why start Peak Wealth Management? Why why not just, you know, you could work for a big firm or something like that. Why not just uh, go about just, you know, being part of the machine as opposed to uh, as opposed to starting your own your own uh, your own place here? Well, I think it comes down to what's your vision for the future and how how do you want to do business? And as a consumer, right, you you, you have good experiences and bad experiences. I want to control that experience for you. If you're working for the mothership in New York, you really can't (laughs) control that experience, right? right? Yeah. You have to answer to someone else. Yeah. Plus, you got to live in, well, I mean, I like New York, but, you know, you've got a family and, you know, you live in this area and it's a great place to raise a family. Well, the New York firms have presence here. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. But it's a much different experience, in my opinion, at peak versus one of those. Well, I think that's the big thing. So I'm 40 years old or in uh, 12 days, I'm 40 years old. And so, you know, here I am probably like halfway through my uh, my my professional career. I've been in the market since I was 22 years old. Um, so I've been working now for 18 years and uh, I've always invested. And when I was talking to Jim earlier, that's something that I used to have is I used to work for a company and like they used to like essentially say like, well, you, you can determine how much money you want to contribute every month, but we're going to take care of all the finance, uh, all the investing. And I was like, well, okay, well, I mean, what if my conservative, my approach is not the same as your approach. And uh, now I'm my own independent owner and I, you know, have my have a 401k and I have a Roth and I have like all these different things, but you know, here I am. And my question is, is like, I've got, I'm, I've already started this. Why is peak wealth management better for me? Or like, why should I move all of my business over to peak wealth management when I've been doing this for a couple of years with somebody else? Let's, let's, uh, let me ask you a couple of questions sure. as a rebuttal here. So, you said you're uh, t- you're halfway through your career, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what's the score? It's halftime. What's the score? Oh boy, um, I think I'm I'm thinking I'm a little bit ahead. Think I'm a little bit ahead. Uh, I think I'm gonna I'm still gonna I think I'll finish ahead, but I don't know. I think I'll win a, win in a blowout. What I heard was I think I think right. Sounds yeah. Like maybe maybe this maybe that. A little uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? You're not feeling any pain because you know that you have all this time ahead of you. But if you knew what the score was, don't you think that you could make better decisions? between now and age 60-something? Absolutely, yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I tell you what, I want, I want my future to be set up really well, not just for me, not just for my wife, but now as a father, I want it to be set up for my son and maybe future other kids someday. Yeah, too. You, you've had a lot of life changes in the last mm-hmm. two years. Like you said, getting married and having a baby. Congratulations. So now there's more and more things that are important to you, right? Mm-hmm. And these things kind of take um, front seat of, of what's important to you. So we want to know what the score is, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes people come to us because they're frustrated. You know, maybe they've had good results with their the, the firm they're working with, but they might be frustrated because they don't know what the score is, mm-hmm. right? Am I really doing enough? I made X percent last year or the year before, but what does that mean for the future? Are we going to be able to retire with confidence? So that's one thing is planning. What's the score today? You know, how much are you adding each month, each year? Is that going to be enough? So every uh, every client, every meeting, we are updating that uh, with a percentage of probability, mm-hmm. probability for success to reach all of your goals in retirement. Well, I think that's so. That's a big thing. Is just, I mean, I said to have a second opinion, um, but you know, you guys really look at it very comprehensively. Like I, I will tell you, I'm not going to throw my guy under the bus because I, I really, you know, have have liked him in the past. But um, one of the first things you said to me is like, "Where's your money going?" And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" And so, like, have you ever tracked your expenses in a given month? Do you know how much you have coming in and how much you have going out? And I do know how much I have coming in versus how much I have going out, but I've never, like, broken it down and figured out, like, where could I trim some fat? Where am I? Could I, you know, do I have an extra 500 bucks a month or an extra 800 bucks a month that I could be investing that I don't need right now? And if, and is it going somewhere? Is it just sitting in my savings account that is doing me, like, next to nothing right now? Right. So I'm not a like some sort of budget guru, mm-hmm. right? I don't care where your money goes. I'm not going to tell you what to spend your money on. So I can eat as much ice cream as I want. If you want, yeah. Ben and Jerry's, you know, go for those little expensive ones. You know, I don't care. But if we determine that you you have an extra $500 a month, I can show you, right, what you can do with that and have it make a difference over the next mm-hmm. 25 years, mm-hmm. right? So you can, have, you can buy more ice cream or you can, you know, Invested in, great, and then have ice cream to buy later yeah, in life. I have this great plan. You also said, hey, I've got this 401, I've got this Roth, and, you know, how, how would you grade the results, right? Mm-hmm. Are you being optimal with taxes? Should you be putting money away pre-tax or Roth or your joint brokerage account? You know, this is really important. I believe uh, we want to optimize that tax bucket strategy so when you're retired, you don't have... Just this great big 401. So many people, they've been trained just max out the 401, which in itself is great, right? It's better than not doing anything. But I, I really, I believe that people regret retiring with only a great mm-hmm. big 401 when they could have had Roth, they could have had a joint brokerage account, and they end up having to pay a lot of taxes in retirement. Well, you've had some great advice as you've been with us for the last uh, few months. I mean, about uh, making sure that you're, you know, by the time you retire, having make your mortgage is paid off. Um, having investment opportunities that are beyond just the stock market, uh, you know, like the idea of owning, you know, owning an, an apartment complex or something like that, and like so you have actual cash and actual income coming in, uh, even when you're retired. Maybe you go into consulting work where you're only working 10 hours a week, but you're getting paid, even if it's a little bit of money coming in. All that stuff helps, and I think that's one of the things is, too that really impresses me is that you guys see the big picture. Uh, it's not just, um, you know, hey. I'm, you, you've got CNB, uh, CNBC on in the background, like, all right, the NASDAQ's up right now. It's not just about, like, the NASDAQ or uh, your stock markets. It's, a, it's all these things, all-encompassing, to help you realize the best financial health that you can have. 
Yeah, I like real estate a lot. Uh, like we talked about before, uh, we have rental properties. We do that to diversify away from the stock market, right? Makes sense from someone in my point of view. But I'm actually a financial planner saying the stock market is not the only answer, mm -hmm. which, is, which is unique. Um, the other thing I, that people feel frustrated with is that they're, they're hiring an advisor and they're picking mutual funds, they're creating their own investment model. I like to say I'm the CFP, right? I'm not picking stocks. I'm not picking my five favorite mutual funds. Mm -hmm. Forget it. We work with third-party institutional strategists. We're the gateway to accessing these guys, and we are the manager of the managers. At the same time, we're the CFP, right, mm -hmm. the boots on the ground, talking with you uh, across the table, managing the financial plan. So we're not picking stocks. We're not picking mutual funds. We are the gateway to accessing the institutional strategists. Well, and that's a great point, and so I want to ask you about that. Uh, so we're talking to Nick Hopwood, president and founder of Peak Wealth Management, because, like, uh, the person that I've used in the past, literally, like, that's what they do is they're 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 sending me, uh, you know, a notice every couple of weeks and like, hey, I think I'm gonna move some of your money into this stock or that stock. What do you think? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I haven't spent I haven't spent hours of research on this. Like, I I don't know if this is the best thing to go into. And you just kind of place that trust. And obviously, you place your trust in somebody else too. But I think what you're saying here is that. You're helping people figure out how to best use their money as opposed to like, hey, Nick, which should I invest in this? Like, should I invest in Tesla? Should I invest in Netflix? And and while you're going to have some opinions on that, you're helping me say like, okay, you have extra money. Here's what we should do with it. Or here's how we help you get to the point where you have the type of resources you want to invest in. Yeah, people ask us all the time about the pot stocks and Tesla and Netflix and whatever's the hot stock of the day. And... I, I encourage people to have their own brokerage account, their own Ameritrade account, where they can place trades on their own. I mean, they're free trades now, for Pete's sake, right? It's not going to cost you anything to to place the trade, and uh, it kind of scratches that itch mm -hmm. of being active and buying this and buying that, uh, buy, sell, buy, sell. You know, that's not what I do. Yeah. yeah I can counsel you, but, uh, you know, we don't take those calls every day. Well, I think that's it. You're a counselor. I mean that's the that's the greatest that's the greatest thing that you can that you offer here at Peak Wealth Management is your counselor is that uh, from the from you know every step of the way every part of a person's financial health and financial future and where their money is going is helping counsel them into making the best decisions possible because I mean let's face it we're most of us are not great with our money most of us have areas where we can be a lot better uh, and if you want to live a great life right now or you want to be you know, traveling to Europe or traveling to uh, South America. You want your 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 my son to have his entire college tuition paid for. Uh, you want to have the house paid off and just for you know taking trips to Traverse City and have a have your vacation home that I've always talked about with Nick. That's what you can help counsel every individual client into realizing those goals. There's no question. You know, when people outline their goals through the blueprinting process, it makes it clear what is what are their values, what's important to them, what they hope to achieve. When we have those numbers, we can assign a monetary value to it. What's it going to take? Right? So when people walk out the door, they know, great, I'm on track right? with 100% probability. Or we have to make these three changes, small changes, over 20 years, right? if it's, if it's halftime for you, mm -hmm. small changes over a long period of time. But you know, if you're 60 and you want to retire at 65, Right, there's a smaller window. Changes might be more dramatic. Uh, but ultimately, when people leave here, they understand where they are, and they know what has to change, if anything. All right. Well, I want to win the game by a lot. So, 
Hey, one thing that can help you win the game is to listen to my podcast. It's the 2020 Hopwood Family Financial Plan. It's episode 74 of the Finding True Wealth podcast. It's on peakwm.com on the blog. It's one of the most recent posts. Or findingtruewealth.podbean.com or in the Podbean app or the podcast app. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Nick. Really appreciate it. And thanks for the hospitality so far here today. Thank you. When we come back, uh, John Teske's role, should it be a little more limited going forward for the Wolverines? This is Inside the Huddle on Sports Talk 1050, WTK Ticket. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood one